Ann Podders. Sorry we weren't here last week, aren't we, Senya? We are very sorry. We didn't Please even accept warn you. our apologies. Yeah, we just had a bit of a week. So we are. Have we ever? Have we ever? We're not going to go into it, but if you want to sign up to my Patreon, you can hear me whinging <laughs> all about it on there. <laughs> www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. We're starting straight out off the bat with that, huh? Might as well tell them. Yeah, pound a month, one pound. One sweet pound a month and you get bonus episodes and these early. Enough of the hard sell. Let's get on to the main topic of this week's episode, which is previously unheard Marillion. <gasps> yes. Well, unless you also found the YouTube video that I was pointed towards the other day by our listener, Simon Perrins. Thank you, Simon Perrins. Do yeah. you invent Worcester sauce with a guy called Lee? Thank you, Saucy Simon, which I believe is your stage name. You're great in soup. <laughs> what? It's true. Waiter, waiter, there's a Simon in my soup. <laughs> Don't tell everyone, sir, they'll all want one. <laughs> you know that joke? Uh, yeah. You don't do. <laughs> no, I have heard Just it. Wait before. a waiter, there's a fly yeah, in there. Yeah, I know. I've heard. I've heard. I have heard it before. You're all screaming out of sight. You going? Get to the new music. Well, it's not new music. It's old music. How long has it been on YouTube for? About a month. Is that it? How and how did no one hear of it before then? Well, before now. Well, well, well. It's on a channel called. Uh, bear with me. Well, it's the channel name is creatively called. Chris Ackerman, which I believe is the owner of the channel. Right. I haven't reached out to him. I should do that, really. Um, he Well, he says, uh, this is a rare video I had on VHS that I have yet to see on YouTube. I was a high school senior at the time, North Hollywood High, and ditched my government class so I could call Ticketmaster at 10am to get tickets for the show, my first Marillion show. Even though I was a full-on thrash metal stoner, I heard Kaylee on KMET and instantly became a fan, and they soon became my favourite band. He says, I did not film this, but was glad to obtain it many years ago, and happy to share here with other fellow Meridian fans. As he said, this is a fan-made video, and I claim no copyright, or am I earning any income from this video? Good, he doesn't claim any copyright, which means we don't claim any copyright when we play the song on here. What? Why would we claim copyright? It's not our song. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Well, so he doesn't go, I uploaded that first. Why are you so confused by this really simple concept? I'm confused because I thought Marillion would own the copyright. So we still couldn't share it, Well, I am going to share it. I'm going to break the law. No, because it's 15 minutes long. Yes, it's an epic. (laughs) It's not really. What it is, what it is, the video was recorded on March the 16th, 1986, at the Roxy in Los Angeles. So it's part of that never-ending misplaced childhood tour. Ah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so that, this came after misplaced childhood This is after misplaced, out. but pre-clutching at straws. Ah. So this is an era when they would have been writing clutching at straws. Mm. Now, ah. some of you may remember, famously, there is this sort of fabled, aborted version of clutching at straws, which has been referred to as misplaced childhood part two. Right. Now, it wasn't official. Did they ever this. play that live? Well, is this ha-ha, what this is? Ha-ha. Let me, let me, get you just calm yourself down. 
that was a joke, everyone. She's my wife. She talks to me even worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) Off mic, because she's she's all like, butter wouldn't melt in my mouth when I'm talking to the listeners. I do not talk to you worse than that. Talk to you about the same. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, It's all a performance. It's all a performance. So... Uh, I need to catch my breath because I've jumped straight out of the gate very enthusiastically and I haven't taken a breath yet. So just bear with me one second. (sighs) There we are. We don't want me passing out mid-podcast. Right. So this video, it's got the whole show on there. However, there's one point uh, about a minute and a half into the video where it cuts away to what appears to be a sound check. And I know it's a sound check or something similar because the rest of the video has an audience. This doesn't have an audience. There's background noise. You can hear people uh, chatting. Uh, you know, you hear the band at a couple of points talk to one another. Can't really make out what they're saying, unfortunately. Um, but what it is and why I mentioned the fabled misplaced childhood part two, which, by the way, it wasn't like literally misplaced childhood part two it was when they first set up to record or to to write the follow-up to misplaced childhood they felt they were repeating themselves they felt that the music they were coming up with was in a similar sort of vein i would have been happy with that not gonna lie (laughs) well yeah duh (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh okay sorry guys to take away from your creative freedom and everything but you could have just released that that would have been all right but do what we want that's the important thing. No, look, I love Clutching of Straws. It's a classic. But anyway, what this is, this this 15-minute long, it's effectively a jam, but it's clearly mm. the seeds of a song that they were working on. Yes. Uh, it's very, very rough and very, very raw. And as I say, it's 15 minutes long, but it doesn't really do much over that time. There's some sort of... Well. Well. There's what? a section at about eight minutes where they all seem to go mad. Yes. Like, or kind of (laughs) each person in the band seems to be doing their own thing without listening to each other. Yeah, there's a mad Without listening to anyone else. There's a kind of bass frenzy bit. uh, The drums go insane. I think the word we're looking for Yeah, and then it goes back to what it was And then it goes back to normal, but it's like there's like a brief interlude of absolute madness in there. There is also uh, a guitar solo of sorts. Yes. Um, quite a nice guitar. Quite a nice guitar I mean, I don't know solo. what your opinion is of the song, but I I quite enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoy it, but I enjoy it from the point of view that it's not a finished song by oh, a yeah. long stretch. Absolutely, but as a jam, it's, yeah, or like a demo. Oh, that that has the seeds within it of a really great song. It, yeah, which it, is I can't I can't see the connection to any released song. I mean, there's a bit of a connection to. Boujolet Day, which our friend Shogs pointed out, and then I listened to it this morning and was like, I can hear like the same kind of lollopy guitar and reverbiness in it. But yes, Beaujolais Day stroke oh, Beaujolais Bo- Day uh, <laughs> is, is one I'm of the bo- French, okay, is one of the bonus tracks on the Clutching at Straws Deluxe Edition that they worked on with Fish before he left. That that mm. was going to make up their fifth album with him. Right, it wasn't ever released though, was it? No, do you do you know of an album that we haven't covered from the Fish era, oh. apart from Real to Real? Yeah, Real to Real. You know, or B sides themselves. Yeah, or, and B sides themselves. 
No, I, yeah, I was because yeah, I was convinced that it hadn't been released. Yeah, well, it hasn't. It, you know, the, the, those bonus tracks, some of them ended up as H era songs. Some of the lyrics ended up as Fish era lyrics. Right. Yes. So, yes. Know, they, that's they right. They kind of, you know, they're fascinating. I also think a couple of them really are shaping up to become something special, and it's a shame they never. Well, Beaujolais Day said it right this time. Mm. Is is actually quite a good sounding song. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are more finished sounding than others. This is, uh, I think, a lot earlier earlier on in the process than any of those songs on the Clutching of Straws remaster. It, it's quite mellow. It's it's the we are going to play it. By the way, I'm not just going to describe it. We're not going to play the whole thing. It's 15 minutes, but and also it repeats. So uh, what I've done, by the way, is I've got the the version that's on youtube and i've tried to clean it up a bit and just try and make it sound a little bit better because it is a very rough recording from using 1980s camcorder technology hmm. so uh I've, I've done my best to make it sound a bit better and palatable you're to your proud ears. of yourself of that aren't you i can see i can see it in your face yeah, quite proud. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, audio engineer now yeah i knew you were thinking that i knew you were thinking that if they want to give me uh i don't know somewhere else to remaster i'll do that <laughs> you would do wouldn't you no i would not i'd ruin it well we don't have the equipment i'll just stick reverb on everything and leave it at that <laughs> just... <laughs> that's all we want <laughs> do not reverb just do that guys so the song's quite mellow. The guitar, it, it, it's a really classic rather sounding guitar from that that era up till kind of, I suppose, Afraid of Sunlight, you know, before he discovered the acoustic guitar. Um, you know, that sort of out of this world chiming thing. And it's just that mm. one kind of guitar phrase that just repeats, mm-hmm. really. But it's quite pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty. It's so, it's very mellow. It did, the song actually did give me kind of like lazy Sunday in summer vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Mm. But I can also see if that, if this is part of that misplaced childhood part two, again, not what it was actually called, but if this is part of that, I can see that because some, some of the drums have got that kind of bittersweet. You know, mm. Oh, it's got very strong of, drums. Yeah, yeah they're um, very noticeable. There's a lot of that. It's obviously the guitar is just sort of, you know texture, and it definitely has the DNA of misplaced childhood more than it does clutching at straws. Yeah, I'd I think. agree. I'd agree with that. So you know, I get also why they didn't want to repeat themselves. I mean, you know, because you know, even though I would say that misplaced for me it was the high point of the fish era. Uh, Clutch of Straws is great, but I think Misplaced is when all the elements came together. It also doesn't sound like what came before. You know, each of their albums during that era sound different. So I think it would have been a mistake to just try and repeat themselves. I mean, they never have even since. Mm, no, they haven't. Um, so what you've got lyrically. So yes, you're waving your arms around. No, I had a question, um, but I didn't know if you were good. I thought you'd finished talking about the song, but... I wanted to I make sure no, that we asked this say. question. It was just, was this something that they used to do a lot, like play their demos live? Well, I've never heard of it because I've only ever heard about them jamming in the studio. I've never heard about them setting up at Soundcheck and, and trying to write like that because that's what this is. This is them feeling their way to a song. Mm. But, you know, maybe it did happen. 
Maybe it happened more in the early days and it just wasn't captured. Yeah, maybe. I guess if they had an intense touring schedule back yeah, then, which they, they did Where back are they going to fit in? Where yeah. on earth are they meant to create an album or what's the word? Not curate. Well, yeah, finesse and put together songs mm. and an album unless they kind of catch whichever moment they can get while they're on the road. Yeah. And actually playing it live is a good way to get a feel for the song, isn't it? Yeah, which I suppose they did do in the really early days because they didn't have a record deal. So, you know, when they were putting together those first songs, Mm. the pre-script era, yeah, they would have had to have done that. Yeah. The only other time I know them doing something on the road um, was when when they ran out of time with the production of Sounds That Can't Be Made. Oh, that late in the game? Yeah, I think they were all doing bits, bits in hotel rooms and things while they were on tour in the US, if I'm right. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, they were really behind with that because they had a release date announced. And was that recording it as well? Or I've just got a feeling of... they may have recorded the... Op- because you can just plug an instrument now into a, in, into a laptop, but effectively Mm. um but don't quote me on that i mean because i haven't done my research on sounds that can't be made yet but you know yeah we'll get back to you on that one then get back to you on that everyone put a pin in it yeah bookmark that um so what what is really interesting about this for me aside from the fact it's meridian music we've never heard before uh and part of that presumably mythical misplaced childhood part two what's really interesting for me uh, are the lyrics. Now, there are only a couple of lyrics in there. <laughs> yeah, those four lyrics. <laughs> yeah, Fish just repeats the same few phrases over and over again. Mm. There are areas where he's, and anyone who's heard the early version of Misplaced Childhood that they played on tour, they'll know he kind of just mumbles at points. Because they're not fully formed yeah, songs they're yet. they're not fully formed. And this is a good example of that. There are bits... Maybe he is saying something I can't hear because of the recording quality. There are other times when he clearly is just riffing. Um, however, he does keep repeating, your days of anonymity are numbered, but you don't want the back page interview. Now, some of you will see oh. a link there within Communicado. Ah. What he also sings, and this is the bit that I find really interesting, particularly when connected to that line, mm-hmm. because that suggests this is a line about becoming famous, mm-hmm. the music industry, et cetera, et cetera, as we know, touching the straws became, and as we know, Incommunicado was about, but albeit in a tongue-in-cheek way. What he also keeps singing is, shall we call it a day? <gasps> is that what he's saying? Yeah, shall we call it a day? I thought he was saying it was one of those days. I can't remember. No, he sings over and over, shall we call it a day? Oh, my goodness, foreshadowing. Uh-huh. How about that? Wow. That is so, so, so telling. Well, when you, you know, as we did, when you look at the lyrics on Clutching at Straws, you know, they're blatant in him going, I'm unhappy. Absolutely. In this band. Absolutely. And this is him literally on stage saying, should we just, should we just give it up, lads? That's what it seems like to me. That's fascinating. They're tired, they're it on tour. Also, it also makes me then beg for the answer to the question, why did you continue? Yeah. 
it's it's like you know putting that sort of energy into a song it it makes it seem like he's in the completely wrong career for himself yeah well he only kept going for another 30 years yeah (laughs) wow that's so interesting but it, it reminded me of um it's not the same thing at all, but there's there's quite a famous Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd story mm. that Sid Barrett once rocked up at the studio and said, uh, I've written a new song, lads. Um, I'm going to play it to you. You just follow along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Have You Got It Yet? Uh, and he started playing and he would go like, right, so have you got it yet? And they go, okay, yeah, we think so. So they start playing along and he'd change it. And then and while singing, have you got it yet? And this apparently went on for ages oh and he'd change it every so single was time. Was that him doing a practical joke on them? Or Sid Barrett being as he was quite profoundly mentally ill and on drugs. Oh. Who knows? <laughs> but it was... It but it was, sounds like he did it on purpose, like... It, yeah, he, it was a a joke. I remember purpose. reading a Floyd autobiography where they didn't find it funny because I but think it no, went on for a long time. Would have been maddening. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting bit of Marillion history that we've never heard until now. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to play a bit of it now. Uh, if you want to hear the whole thing, obviously not my beautifully remastered version. If you want to hear a bit of the whole thing, go to. Uh, I mean, I'll put a link to the description. A link to the description. You know what I mean. A link in the description. Thanks for picking me up on it. In the show notes, I think it's called on podcast. Is it? Yes. You say link in the description on YouTube and on podcast, you say, I'll put a link in the show notes. Where you got that from? From all the podcasts I listen to. Oh, yeah. All those far right ones that you listen no, to. No, stop. Don't joke about that. <laughs> People might believe you. People might believe you if you say that. Oh, well, they shouldn't believe anything I say. <laughs> anything. Ain't, ain't that the truth? Anything. So anyway, it was Chris Ackerman. That It was his YouTube channel. It's only had 1,708 views so far. Get watching, people. Get watching and listening. And listening. Yeah. So uh, here is, let's, should we call the song Let's Call It A Day? Or Call It A Day. There we go. This is a, a brand new Fish Ear and Meridian song. Call it, come, <laughs> let me know. Let me do that better. Coming up next on Beampod FM, it's Marillion with Call It A Day.
So you're probably wondering now that we've done that, what the hell are we doing for the rest of this episode? Sanya, I haven't got a clue. (laughs) Just chill out, shall we? Yeah, just chill and have a chat. Well, we've got we've got a few letters we could read. That's what we're doing. We that, are still waiting for Pedantony. Which hopefully next week you Ooh. will uh you will hear the dulcet tones of Pedantony. We have we have many more letters that we can read with Pedantony, but we thought we'd read two or three or this four week. this week. Let's see if they spark conversation. Let's see, Paul, shall we? And joy. Spark joy. Spark joy like Marie Kondo. Yes. I wonder if she lives in a condo. She should. Yeah. If she doesn't, she's missing a trick. And I wonder if she's got a pet condor. Or do you live in a rose? You missed my joke. Oh, pet condor. Yes. She should. <laughs> and her favourite film is Con- Condor Man. There's a reference from people. Is that a film? <laughs> yeah, Condor Man. It was a Disney film. Uh, no. Disney's first superhero film. And it was uh, Frank Spencer, you know, from Some Others Do Have Them. Michael, right. what's his name? Michael Crawford played Condor Man. He got cast as a superhero in a Disney film. Get I loved Condor Man. Hang on, what year was this? Oh, early 80s, surely. Early 80s. I'm... He played a comic book artist who drew a comic strip called Condor Man. And if I remember, he got mistaken for the real Condor Man. I don't know. It was some bizarre film. It was like... I've never heard of this film. We need to look it up. Well, I don't need to. I've heard of it. Ah. You look it up in your own time. Don't waste my time looking up Condor Man. You know I won't do it in my own time. <laughs> oh, no, you'll have forgotten all about it by the end of the episode. I'll be too busy listening to my podcasts. Mm, far Not right far ones. Right, far no direction. Far out ones if you do listen yeah, they far. Are. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, right. So are, right. These, are these all somewhere else, these letters? These all are all them. somewhere else, but we've, I've only put... Um, I've only put the first four, I think, that we received mm. in. Let's yeah. do it. Right. Do you want to read the first one from... Uh, may I? Kester Roper, the hangman. Yeah, hang the hangman says, a few brief thoughts on somewhere else. It was always going to be after the Lord Mayor's show following marbles. <laughs> oh, that, that is completely lost on me, that reference. <laughs> What on earth does that I've mean? I've never heard the phrase, but I love it. After the Lord Mayor's show in um, well, inverted commas. I suppose something that struggles to follow the glitz and the the Of the, the Lord pageantry. Mayor? But not literally. Oh. Well, yeah, but is the Lord Mayor known for being very pageant? Well, Lord Mayor's show. The Lord Mayor of London's show is a big deal in London. I've never even heard of the Lord Mayor's show. Yeah, people... What do they do? They march up and down. They play drums. There were floats. Oh, okay. This that it's now like, the reference like makes the thanks, perfect sense. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but without balloons. Like when the Queen had her birthday a couple of months ago. Yeah, it's not quite on that level. But the Lord Mayor's Show in London is a big deal. Oh, I've never heard of the Lord Mayor's Show, and we live in London. What's wrong with me? Yeah, I, I don't want to go. By the way, before you get any big ideas. Oh God, he's really that. He's panicked. I saw a glimmer of panic flash across your eyes then. Well, Don't I'm, worry, Paul, I won't make you go to the Lord Mayor's show. I once went to the Royal Tournament at Earl's Court in London, which is a big kind of military show that they have every year in, indoors. Mm. And I thought, having seen bits of it on TV, it was just going to be the bit where they have to dismantle a cannon and get it across an assault course and then reassemble it. Cool. And, you know, dog show bits. Like oh, I love dog shows. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be that. No, it was like four hours. Four hours of people marching up and down while 
banging drums and playing brass instruments. It was a nightmare. Oh, okay. That explains the flash of panic then. Yeah. Don't worry, Paul. We're not going to go to the Lord Mayor's show. That's how I imagine the Lord Mayor's show would be. Anyway, back to the hangman. Hangman continues. The production does it no favours, but it has four very good slash great songs. The other half, Thank You Whoever You Are, Somewhere Else and A Voice From The Past. The rest is quite good slash non-essential slash forgettable. Have Marillion ever created a more anonymous song than The Wound? Uh, don't Hurt Yourself. <laughs> Paul! <laughs> is it a great Marillion album? No. Is it a perfectly good Marillion album? Yes. Keep up the good work from Kester the thank, Hangman. Thank you, Kester the Hangman. I give your letter A plus for it being so concise and to the point. And it reminded me of something else, which I hold on a second. I see if I can find it. I thought I took a screenshot. We had a post on Facebook where someone found an album where the songs from somewhere else were reordered. Well, they didn't f- f- find the album. This is not another lost relic. This is the vinyl version of the album. Oh, was it? Yeah, they, it had a different track listing. And it had a different track, track listing, order. which I wanted to look at, but I can't find I where I've taken the screenshot. Well, you don't need to. You can just look up the, the Somewhere Else vinyl. It was Jean-Francois Tremblay, or Tremblay, who said to us on Facebook, he thinks that this has a better flow than on the CD. Uh, and he said it took him 10 years to get into this album even though he'd heard the tracks live over the years. It was only when he bought the LP version in 2017 or 18 that he realised how good the album actually is. So we had side one, disc one, was the other half, then see it like a baby, then somewhere else. Interesting. Which I can see that working. Mm -hmm. Side two, disc one was thank you, whoever you are, most Toys, Last Century for Man, and then Faith. I can see that working better than what's on the album as it stands. Yeah, Even me too. though Most Toys doesn't really work anywhere, I could still see no. that working better. I thought you loved Most Toys now, Paul. I never said that. It's, it's awful. <laughs> I just, you were singing its praises. I was not. Go back and listen to the episode. I just said I had Stockholm Syndrome from it. <laughs> um, side... Right, so side one from disc two. Do you say disc two for vinyls? Yes. Side one from disc two what is... What would you say? Like, uh, record two. Spin, spinos. Spin- In Australia, that's what they call them, don't they? Spino two. <laughs> side two. Side one from Spino two is A Voice from the Past, No Such Thing and The Wound. Mm, yeah. I can see that working. And that, no, no, that, that's... The album, that's the album actually finished, but then you have a cut, some bonus tracks. Oh, they're not on the next side? They are on the next side, but they're just Which bonus is, tracks. Which is, oh, true, true, true. The Other Half Live, Somewhere Else Live, and A Voice From The Past Live. Yeah. Which I'd actually love to hear the album played in that order. because well, you can. I can if I want to, can't I? But I have to yeah. set it up myself. Oh, what a nightmare it is to or do a Or buy the vinyl when we don't have a record player. Uh, so, interesting. Our daughter does. Yes, she does. Oh, we can buy the vinyl and um, 
with our imaginary money and yeah. <laughs> and and play it and listen to it. Maybe we could just imagine. Or we can just write, a, make a playlist with the songs in that order. Yes, that's probably easier. Yes, you can cut all this out. No. It's just waffle. No. All right. Anyway, so we, our next letter, which I'm reading, thank you, is from Daddy, Daddy, Daddy G. G. Daddy, Daddy G. His voice can sing out of key. Daddy, Daddy G. I'm sure Daddy G sings very in key. No, he doesn't. You've never heard him sing. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, hi, Paul and Sanya and... Pedantony? Pedantony's here in spirit. He's coming next week. He's coming. He's just getting his socks on. And his pants. Daddy G back again to discuss what I think of Meridian's Summer Else album. It's the album that came after the Monster album that was Marbles, and I think it will always live in its shadow. It's okay, in my opinion, but only has a couple of standout tracks. The rest are just plain average, with a couple of lesser songs, and of course the absolute steamer that is most toys. The production and mixing of the record lets it down somewhat compared to the beautifully produced Marbles and like the fine radiation remix of 2013 needs a solid remix job too. My faves on the record are Thank You Whoever You Are and A Voice From The Past. The latter is not played live as much as it should be for sure. That was a tongue twister, wasn't it? Yeah. Tennis. Tennis. <laughs> What time are we playing A Voice from the Past? Tennis. We should be playing it at tennis Tennis. for sure. What time does the show finish? Tennis. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not even a joke. This is about what time are you going to Wimbledon? Tennis. It doesn't work if it's about saying that isn't Wimbledon or tennis. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. It literally doesn't. It's just a bad impression of Sean Connery. If oh, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm like, it does because 10 is the time. <laughs> wow. Explaining jokes to Sanya. You're listening to Explaining Jokes with Sanya, where we strip all the humour out of jokes. <laughs> Songs like See It Like a Baby in the Wound are what Paul might call beige. They do nothing for me, but are not particularly bad. That's true. Uh, The rest of the songs are solid, if not great, although the title track sounds fantastic if listened to in a very dark room with quality headphones, I find. Mm, I bet. Yeah, I bet it does. So not the album I expected after Marbles, but the band have certainly done a lot worse previously and all subsequent albums are a vast improvement. That's very true. Thank you, Daddy G. Hey, I read something the other day about most toys where... uh, Uh Uh-oh. Where, you know, uh, he who dies with the most toys is still dead. Yes. And it's like, I can't remember why I read this. So sorry if this was one of you. But they also pointed out that, well, yeah, but he who dies with the least toys oh, is also that still was, dead. That, <laughs> yeah. I, I told you that quote. Oh, I was, was it you? I was reading Carlos Nightman. Oh, it was Carlos. Um, blog on Marillion. Ah, uh, yeah, it was and Carlos thought, Nightman. Sorry. Mister. He actually didn't mind most toys. It doesn't make any sense. Which is baffling. But yeah, I actually liked, first of all, that he po- pointed out that Marillion's previous album was about toys. Well, was it? <laughs> Marbles. Well, was it about toys? Oh, okay, toys? but then it's titled after a toy. An homage to the marble. You've got all the, like, the Marbles 1, 2, 3, 4 interludes, which a couple of them are definitely about Marbles the toy. Um, Marbles the toy? Marbles the toy. 
Oh, I don't know. Out loud. Marbles, anyway, the toy. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then he pointed out that he who dies with the least toys uh, is also still Of course, still it was Carlos. Yes. Yeah, I thought just like that was funny because it, it. That's the thing with that song. It's so, you know, kind of live, laugh, love, isn't it? It's like kind of, oh, you know, one of those phrases that you think, oh, it's yeah. It's o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's so deep. That's so, wow, that's so profound. Yeah, he who dies with the most toys is still dead. Yo, but <laughs> <laughs> he who dies with the most toys is still dead. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. But, yeah, but when you actually think about it, it's like, yeah, but. I'd, I'd rather have all the toys while I was alive. So, you know, rather than having a life with none of the toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, what's better, having a really miserable life where you've got nothing to entertain you and then you die. That's or, like your nightmare. Of course, we're talking to a toy lover here. Oh Yeah, I'm, I'm using toys as a, you know, toys Metaphor. as in things that, that you like and entertain you, you know, such as rugs and lamps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh. hair dye. You know what I mean. Right. You know, just to pluck three random things out of the air. <laughs> out of the hair. <laughs> uh, you know, anyway, that's that's that. So, um, next letter is from George Paul McKenna. And it's my turn to read. Oh, it's a big one, Sanya. So, everyone strap in because... For me I'm getting probably, tongue-tied. Yeah, I'm, I, you don't hear I know me. you're going to say that you're going to read this better than me. And I'll say, yes, you will. Yeah. And I'm still going to read it. And I have to edit it after the after the fact. This is the thing. You get these big letters and Sanya, bless her. I mean, I do it as well to a, to a bit. Okay. To groin. Right, you read this one, I'll I, read the I, next one. I do one. it to the groin. <laughs> See that? I'm not even going to edit it out because uh, <laughs> wow. I can't be bothered this week. <laughs> You read the next one then and I'll read the next one. What time did he die, the one with the most toys? Tennis. <laughs> uh, he who dies with the most tennis still doesn't work. Right, move on. Paul McKenna, George McKenna. Says, Don't hypnotise ap- us. Apologies for the length of my previous... Sorry, I'm just astonished by his first his opening gambit in this, this letter. Ap- apologies for the length of my previous me- email... And thanks for taking the time to read out almost all of it. As promised, this one is shorter. And then it's like like three pages long. It's like literally three pages no, long. No, I've put it in a bigger font so our ailing eyes can read it from a distance. Mm. How many centimetres away can I read it? Tenish. <laughs> <laughs> How many words can I read at a time? Tenish. Tenish. Anyway, he says, somewhere else, as I previously mentioned, I only got into the band in 2017, so I wasn't around to witness the initial reaction. However, I was aware that it was widely considered their worst album before I'd heard it. What? But, 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 but what? what? What do you mean, what? It was what? considered their worst album. Yeah, well, I've told you about this. Well, but more the... than Marillion.com. Yeah, I, I swear, even to this day, Marillion.com has more fans than somewhere else. It's the production. We've been over this i'm so shocked we've taken the last five weeks to talk about it barring last week i didn't realize people considered it the worst album some people did which it isn't it's not in terms of song in terms of songwriting it is not their worst album definitely not but that only made me more determined to like it as i'm always willing to side with the underdog i mean coming off the back of the utter triumph that was marbles it shortly can't be that bad can it well unfortunately it's my least favorite marillion album of the 21st century I'd say 50% is either great, good or passable. The other 50% doesn't interest me one bit. See it like a baby and no such thing and nothing songs. How the former was deemed single material with such a piss poor chorus baffles me. 
Most Toys is awful. I'm with you on that. Though it's still better than Emerald Lies. Ha. Oh, that. Do you know what? As much as Emerald Lies made me feel physically uncomfortable, I prefer it to most toys. Yeah, me too. Not by much, but I definitely prefer it to most toys. As for the positives, Thank You Whoever You Are is one of my all-time favourite songs. H's falsetto in vocal inflection on the word can't. Can't! In the pre-chorus reminds me of Elton John. The title track is also wonderful and reminds me of Spirit of Eden era Talk Talk. Brackets massive compliment. That's about as big a compliment as you can pay in my book. Blackbird, I mean Faith, is a nice enough closer and a voice from the past has a great but all too brief guitar solo from Rothers. Talking of Faith, Carlos Nightman in his blog, did you listen to the Muse song that he said it rips off? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't listen to that yet. Well, it does and it's this one. goes on i appreciate their attempt at creating a more modern sounding rock record and i'm glad the days of the reverby heavy chiming guitar arpeggios were firmly behind them but there's so little to this album that i can barely bring myself to stick up for it especially coming straight after their magnum opus um sorry i know for the non-musician listeners including me what is um, reverb heavy chiming guitar arpeggio? Well, you know what, what does you know what mean? reverb is. Yes, do you I know, don't know what guitar do you know what arpeggio is. Going up and down. Ah. Oh, he doesn't like the guitar arpeggio. Uh, even if it's not the colossal failure that some fans would have had me to believe, I can totally understand their sheer disappointment with it. Perhaps marbles have just been too good. I have, however, been very intrigued by your series of episodes on Marillion's set lists. These are, by the way, everyone, these are bonus episodes. Bonus episodes, which you can only listen to on Patreon. It's no, like, we it, did set list episodes on the podcast. God damn it. You're right. <laughs> yeah. We are We've been talking, talking about the Marillion weekends set lists. and the bonus episodes. Oh, yes. So go, you know, there's, <laughs> there's like 26 of them now, aren't there? 26 episodes. Bonus eps, yeah. Are there? Yeah. What? So yeah, if you can't get enough of really? us, and frankly, you you wouldn't be alone, then uh, go go sign up for a pound a month, and you can listen to all of them. Um. So sorry, I have however been very intrigued by your series on the F episodes on Meridian set list, and especially your complaints about the band not playing certain songs enough. Whilst reading out a huge list of all the songs that they have played in their live career, a list which ba- which basically encapsulates their entire album discography and more. So what, you may ask, but this got me thinking about my personal favourite band, Manic Street Preachers, a band that is now 14 studio albums deep into their career and still making consistently excellent music. Inspired by your podcast, I did a little bit of digging on their Setlist FM profile, and here are some of my findings. Of the 111 songs to have featured on their last nine albums, i.e. their 21st century albums, excluding hidden or bonus tracks, 18 songs have been played only four times or fewer. Whoa. And 27 have never been played at all. 
Additionally, if we exclude the latest album, as their last tour was for that album, more than 50% of the songs that they actually played from those remaining eight albums were only played on their respective tour before disappearing from set lists completely. And these songs aren't just disposable album filler. A large portion of them are genuinely excellent songs that so many bands would kill to be able to perform every night. Not to mention that many of them feature among my all-time favourite Manix tracks. Yet instead of digging into this largely untouched goldmine of original material, they've resorted to playing covers of other artists' songs. What? That is crazy. What? For example, they've played Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses 38 times. What? Nearly 70% of the original songs from their album discography have been played fewer times than this. I don't get that. Focusing on their entire career of the 200 plus songs they've ever played live, only 33 have been performed 100 plus times compared to Meridian's 90. 20 have been performed 200 plus times compared to Meridian's 49. Yet both bands' two most popular songs have each been performed between 700 and 800 times, despite Meridian having played almost twice the number of concerts. You rightly complain of being sick of hearing certain Meridian songs, which they play too frequently, Yet what I've noticed in general is that the Manics have an elite of at least five or six songs that are not only played too frequently, but are played at every single show, bar only those one-off gigs where they play just a small handful of tunes, and even then, a couple of them tend to sneak in. And I know only too well that I'm not the only Manics fan who's sick and tired of hearing you stole the sun from my fucking heart. (laughs) His words, not mine. Every night of every tour. It's not even that good to begin with. Oh, no. In conclusion, all I have to say is, Merillion fans, count your blessings, as their set list could have been so much worse. <laughs> Thanks again for the podcast. You sure do put a skip in my step during my Monday evening walks. Thank you, George Paul McKenna. Brackets not dead yet. Oh, because last time I'd just finished listening to a Paul McKenna book, didn't I? Or reading it. And you asked if he was dead? Yeah, I think... What? Um, oh, <laughs> memory issues. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I thought he was dead. Anyway, Jesus. let's not get onto that conversation <laughs> again. Christ. Let's not get onto that conversation Paul McKenna, again. by the way, famous uh, British hypnotist. I don't know if he's a yeah, famous hypnotherapist. Maybe That's written a, sta- a lot of books, especially his How to Quit Smoking. He was a stage hypnotist. Stage in, hypnotist that um, developed life. a method to quit smoking and other we've, we've addictions. We've been over this. I, I was trying to quit sugar. And, uh, if we just keep repeating, our, if we just keep repeating ourselves, we're going to turn into the Corona Diaries. Paul, you can't say stuff like that because you say stuff like that, and then you're like, "I'm too shy to ask H for an interview." No, I'm not. I'm you're not. Oh, I've already asked him and he didn't reply. There you go. Uh, and I wonder why. Because of comments like that. I'm going to ask again. Even though you're joking. I'm going to go through official channels before our 100th episode. Well done. I had something to say about um, Paul McKenna's letter then. but now No, it's George kinda... McKenna. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but I've forgotten now. Great. Uh, Should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next It'll one come back to the me. The next one's a longish one from our old friend Stephen Wicks. Brackets home base. Home base. Uh, from Mockillian. Stephen Homebase Mockillian says, just a few thoughts in respect to somewhere else. I've always viewed the album in a similar way to this strange engine. Both albums contain some, some of the band's best songs and also some of my least favourite. That is such a good, actually, that's a great comparison. I would put somewhere else on the same level as this strange engine me too yeah for sure me too yeah which is an album that 
It's okay. It, it's okay. It, it has, I'm sorry, a better reputation than it deserves. Yeah. Frankly. Frankly. In respect of somewhere else, the highs are so very high, it's disappointing that the good stuff is not played more. The other half, the title track, and A Voice from the Past are among the best songs they have ever written in my view. I'm not sure if you knew that the lyrics for A Voice from the Past are about the song Imagine. Did you know that, Paul? The voice we are ignoring is John Lennon's speaking clearly. Sorry, say that bit again. Here we go. Speaking. <laughs> I'm going to leave them all in this time. Okay, fine. Speaking clearly, clearly. <laughs> You've done this to me. Have I? Rose. I did. I did it. Did you I? You did. Yeah. So the voice <laughs> we are ignoring is John Lennon's speaking clearly, clearly. Clearer than the lib. Okay, I'm going to stay. Just cut. Cut. No. And edit. No. Edit from here. No. No, they can hear what I have to go through for once. No, please don't. They can make their own edit. Someone could do a remix of you reading out Stephen's letter. (laughs) I know. The voice we are ignoring (laughs) is John Lennon's speaking clearly, clearer than the living, talking perfect sense. Amen to that. I've no problem with artists being overly idealistic. Actually, I think it's their job. They do not need to live up to the ideals they promote, as we need someone to set the bar high. If we follow the crazy logic that no one can suggest standards they don't completely live up to, we will have no great ideals to aspire to. And I believe great ideals are something we need more of nowadays, not less. I have never had a problem with the production, but three to four of the songs are really not that great in my view. If they had said that they wouldn't put anything on this album that wouldn't have been good enough for Marbles, there is no way that Most Toys or Last Century for Man would have been on there. That said, I'd be happy to hear the whole album at the next Marillion weekend, as well as the rather excellent B-sides. Me too. By the way, I saw them play Circular Ride on the 2007 Christmas tour and it was fantastic live. If you get time, check out the set list for the Snowwhere Else tour. It was absolutely awesome, even though they did play most toys. Keep up the great work and don't forget our big summer sale with 50% off selected garden furniture. Love, home base. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Um, yeah, I... I I went on the Snowwhere Else tour as well, and it was indeed a great set list. Was it a winter tour? Yeah, ah. yeah, it was. It was a, a Christmas tour, effectively. Right. I, if I remember, I think they played "Let It Snow," and they had it snow in the venue. If I remember, I may have imagined that. I think oh. they did. H came out as Father Christmas. What venue were you at? Was it the Astoria in London, Shepherds Bushem? I don't know. They all blend into one. Once you're inside, you forget. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Except for the 100 Club, that's so tiny. Yes. But you, you always know that you're there. Yes. Also, it has like the words 100 Club in massive letters behind the stage. <laughs> to remind you, every stage should have that. Yes. Huge sign behind the stage. Mate, Did well, I say every stage? Every venue should have venues that. Little venues do often. Just to remind you where you Little are. Little ones off the day. The marquee did. That one that we saw uh, Mr. Punch in, in uh, Leicester, had, had the name of the venue behind. Oh, did band. it? Yeah. They, they do these little oh. rock clubs, it seems. Uh, it's interesting what he says about ideals and 
rock stars, artists, her, yeah, artists in general, and the like, you know, not living up to their own ideals. Mm. I'm not. I don't know if I agree or not because it annoys me. I agree because, like, for example, let's let's take most toys for example. H's lyrics in that to me are speaking just as much to himself as they are to others. Mm. I don't see it as him finger pointing. I think I have to go and turn the washing machine off. Two weeks later. Washing machine is off. Yes. So what was I saying? I was saying about artists and their lofty ideals and how, for example, H in most toys uh, telling us that he who dies in the most toys is still dead. Profound. You know, anti-capitalist stuff like that. I I feel like he's always talking to himself just as much as to a collective us. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I so agree. So I don't, it doesn't annoy me that much because it's like he's just reminding himself of what's important, even yeah. if he can't necessarily live up to that perfectly every day. You know, you know how like they say aim for the... S- what is it? Aim for the moon and you'll land in the stars or whatever. If you don't aim <laughs> high, you might not... Aim for the moon and you'll land in the stars. If you Even if you miss, you'll land in the stars. Something that like that. It, okay. Something like that. So it's like, basically it's saying like, aim high because it's it's that aiming, it's that reaching that allows you to reach higher than you would if you didn't aim high. Yes. Our teacher at school actually got us to do an exercise to prove this point where she said, stand up. And um, turn around as far as you can and point your finger. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then notice where you stop and then do it again with your eyes closed. And you you find that you can reach further. Can you? Something like that. Okay. I probably messed that all up. (laughs) Yeah. So I I, I agree with home base on this one. Stephen. Stephen on this one. Let's be polite. (laughs) (laughs) i agree with (laughs) so i agree with steven on this one in that it's like if we don't have something a high ideal to aim for we won't get as far well let me ask we might get far but i don't think we'll get as far let me ask you a hypothetical question okay what's better someone who says uh we should all be better at X thing and then doesn't do a lot to live up to it himself or herself or their self or someone who says we should all do better at X thing and then does how do you know what someone's doing though in their private good life? point isn't it yeah, yeah good question you don't like you don't know no um well we know I think the world knows quite a lot about John Lennon I don't know that much about John Lennon. No? Okay. The world does, I think, as a whole. His life you, been... Oh, so you're talking about John Lennon not living up to his ideals. Rock stars in general. You know, okay, let's put it this way, right? This is all alleged, but you too. Okay, Bono, as we know, is Mr. Help Those Less Fortunate Than You. That's his big thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then in 2006... Uh, U2 moved their tax affairs from Ireland to the Netherlands because the Irish government had capped the tax-free exemption on royalties at €225,000. So basically, they moved their tax affairs abroad Mm. in order to pay less tax. Consequently, there was less tax going into the 
Irish economy mm-hmm. from you two, who presumably pay quite a large amount of tax every year, and then that tax was unable to be used to help the economy and help people who perhaps would have benefited. What does that say to you? Do you find that hypocritical? Oh. <laughs> um. I mean, I guess, what if he's using some of that money that he's saving on tax and donating it directly to a good cause? What if? Is that better than him sort of going, well, I don't want my money swallowed up by politicians' pockets? Mm. I don't know. It's something to think about, I, I, isn't it's it? something to think about. <laughs> something to think about. Yes. Let's move on. I, I haven't got the energy for it today. All right. Right, next letter is from the mysterious Joe. Just Joe. Cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> is that all right for a nickname cup of coffee cup of coffee that's Joe. a lovely nickname one of my favorite things love the podcast a great find during the covid lockdown keep going with it we will joe says i'm a child of marillion as it were and i've listened to the pod all the way through it to this point thinking i might send in my thoughts and this seemed like a good time to chip in with my two cents worth i was born in 84 so i've been raised on marillion through my dad since birth I honestly can't remember a time when they weren't part of the oral wallpaper of my childhood. I, I literally had Marillion wallpaper. Well, not wallpaper, but a giant misplaced childhood tour poster that covered the entire wall. Which wasn't that on Marco's Marillion Museum recently. It was indeed. Yeah, yeah. The one that I had, which I often, uh, I mean, ironically, actually, I, I had one the same size covering another wall um, of, of you two, <laughs> Joshua Tree tour. Get out. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, I often woke up with it uh, covering me because it would fall <laughs> off in the night. <laughs> Land you used on me. it as a blanket. Yeah. Yeah, Marco's Meridian Museum, by the way. Hello, Marco. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying it on the podcast. I messaged you on Facebook earlier, but yeah, we're hopefully doing an interview with him soon. That's exciting. Yes. It is, and another interview with someone else, a mysterious gentleman. Ooh. Uh, where was I? Um, in some ways, that statement is entirely literal, as some of my best memories of their music are decorating with my dad to whatever the latest Marillion album was. I can almost date the decor in the rooms at my parents' house purely by which Marillion album was playing when we were painting. Oh, wow. I have a really strange muscle memory for quite a few of the early albums, especially Misplaced Clutching and Season's End. These are the three of the most recognisable for me, purely from their tone. And I associate them with different parts of my childhood, perhaps the most profound being Season's End. Having listened to your setlist podcast and seeing Easter really near the top, I thought, here's my appropriate time to email in. Although released in 89, that album was on heavy rotation between 91 and 93 in our house. We lost our mum to cancer in 91 when I was six. My dad always said that Easter reminded him of her as she had died in that Easter week. It's a song that I distinctly associate with being mournful and sombre, maybe just reflecting the mood in our house, or maybe that's just me projecting. Either way, that's how I remember it feeling. There was a period during my childhood and adulthood, if I'm honest, when I found it really difficult to listen to that album and that song in particular, and I was glad when my dad rotated it out of circulation. I was finding it hard enough to be a grieving kid. I didn't understand how the world worked and to have a weird stew of emotions churned up every time a song came on didn't feel like it was helping. So I left that side of Meridian for a while and during the later 90s I drifted into my own musical tastes before discovering Radiohead in the early 2000s. There was still a vague connection with what my dad listened to with the excellent fake plastic trees cover that Meridian did. There's a real soulful quality Tom York's voice on that song, and I think H did an awesome job of channeling that. 
I agree. This also happened to be the time when Meridian released Marbles, and upon hearing that album, I was instantly back in, as were a lot of people by the sounds of it. It was a completely different band to the one I associated with my early childhood, but it had a really strange connecting undercurrent for me that wasn't just the fact that it was the same musicians. There was something else that I still don't really understand. It's probably more to do with the synapses in my brain making connections, but I found their latest musical direction instantly satisfying in a way that I hadn't for other bands. Last year marked the 30th anniversary of losing my mum, and I finally started to deal with it in an adult way after locking it out for years of my life. And when I decided to start opening the box to address it all, I found playing Easter was a real way into connecting me to my younger self. It didn't bring back any new memories or anything as obvious as that, but it did bring back a flood of feelings and emotions that I can't explain. The mind works in mysterious ways, I suppose, but I was frequently finding the Steve Rothery solo too much to deal with and having to stop the song and try again later on with a sort of preparation run-up exercise in my head. I genuinely think this song has attached itself to a pivotal moment in my life. It was something that my dad, brother and I knew, but no one else did. I don't really know anyone else who even knows Meridian that well. So I've always felt that it was a bit of a personal thing. So to think of them playing it that many times is nice, but also strange, as it feels like something that was very personal to me is somehow less unique. I love that the band like to play it, and I think it shows that it has longevity, and it might not have that personal connection for everyone in the audience at those shows, but if one person has a profound moment like I have when I hear that booming from the speakers, I think it's worthy of being in every set list the band do. So I've been a fan since then, really. Does that make me a one-time fan that lapsed, a new fan with previous, or am I something completely different? I'm not sure it really matters, but the fact remains that they'll always be part of my life for what is possibly the defining period in my life. Just think, that period could have been connected to some awful pop music. So in that respect, I'm very grateful that something so significant has been married with a piece of art with real feeling and emotion too. Anyway, thanks for the pod and keep it up. I love to listen. P.S. An hour before it's dark took me a couple of listens, but I wholeheartedly approve. Very, very good. Future favourite, I reckon. Joe, Thank you, Joe, for that very heartfelt yeah. email. Aww. That was really touching to read. It was. I got a bit emotional listening to that. Yeah. Well, we're sort of going through... Uh, well, my dad... Um, it's hard to say. I was about to say my dad hasn't got much longer to live, but I, we don't know. Um, he's not in a good way, is he? Um, no. uh, he's he's basically in hospital with complications from COVID. Um, he went into hospital, what, four weeks ago, something like that, mm-hmm. and is very, very ill uh, and a shadow of his former self. Um, so, yeah, I've been thinking about care a lot, funnily enough, at the moment, because the, the NHS staff have been so brilliant there. Mm, um, and so kind mm. and patient uh, with us as well as him, you know, with the whole family. You know, they know us now. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> oh, dear. I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think that's going to become a bit of a go to song for me in the future. I suspect I might have to wrap up this podcast myself because Sonia's gone. Oh. Um, all right everyone sorry to end on a bit of a, a low note but thank you for Meridian for making music that connects with us yeah exactly yeah um, alright 
uh, I'm going to go now before I get emotional <laughs> now that you've gone. Uh, right. Okay. Well, as I say, if you want to hear some bonus stuff, you can check out our Patreon. Um, if you don't, well, you know, fuck you. <laughs> oh. Unnecessary. <laughs> I couldn't leave it on such a heavy note. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do something. Uh, okay. Um, it's a joke. I don't mean that, of course. <laughs> of course I don't mean that. Right. We'll um, we'll catch up with you next week when hopefully we'll have Pedantony on for the next letters page. So brace yourselves for him <laughs> bitching and moaning the entire time. You can't uh, wait. Can't wait. Uh, yeah subscribe tell people about us all that stuff it's great if you can spread the, the word um, right everyone thanks for the support yes speak to you soon you. bye bye bye